0: Gratitude. gratitude, that's my everyday, attitude, gratitude. Gratitude. gratitude, What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Today's guest is Kelsey Iada. She is a self-love and self-development coach. She's an author. She's written a few different books, which I'm really impressed with because I'm in the process of writing um, a book or two, and I got a couple different ideas, and it's proven to be one of the more challenging things I've ever confronted. Um, but it's beautiful because there's a lot of growth in that, and so just I have so much respect for anybody that can show up and really uh, create, you know, content and write books. It's a, it's a, it's one hell of a journey, and um, this conversation with Kelsey is really beautiful. Uh, we dive into a lot of different topics and her perspective on life is uh, amazing and the work that she's doing in her own journey through depression and how she navigated that. There's a lot of practical tools that you can use in your own life. You know, one specifically that I really love, which if you know me at all, it's the secret sauce to the universe is gratitude. And Kelsey talks about her gratitude practice and how it shifted her out of a deep, dark depression into where she's at now, where she's trying where she's working to support others on their journey. And you know that's what this podcast is all about, to support you on your journey. So I really ho- hope you uh, enjoy this conversation with Kelsey as much as I did. And if you are a premium member, make sure you stick around because we have the extended episode at the end. If you are not a premium member and you want access to these extended episodes, uh, I've been doing them for quite a while now. And... You're missing out if you're, not, if you're not a premium member. All it is is $7 a month and that goes a long way in supporting this podcast financially so that I can produce it with my backend team that's helping me put it together. If you don't feel called to support the podcast financially, that's perfectly fine. A really great way to do so is to just pause this podcast right now and leave a five-star review. It'll take you two seconds. Say a nice few words about me, about the podcast, about the guests, anything really. Just say something nice. And if anything in this podcast resonates with you, go ahead and share it with somebody that it might have a positive impact in. That will go a long way in supporting this podcast as well. I really appreciate everybody for the support. I love y'all. I do want to mention as well, uh, the Heart Collective, we are in full Steam ahead mode Uh, hosted our first retreat in June and we have our second retreat coming up in the first weekend of September, September 3rd to the 8th whitewater rafting on the Yamper River. It's going to be an absolutely incredible experience. Former male professional athletes only. If it's something you are interested in or you know somebody who's an athlete that could really benefit from being out in nature and connecting with other former athletes reach out to me directly or go to theheartcollective.com to check it out. Also want to shout out my wife and Grow Motley. Uh, Sarah's putting together this incredible platform. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to the link in the show notes, growmotley.com. It is for full-time remote positions, jobs, boards. So if you're a small to medium-sized business looking to grow your team and you just find it challenging to find the right kind of, kind of, kind of talent, uh, check out this platform because it basically does it all for you. And if you are somebody looking for work and you're looking to be a part of a culture and a job and a vision that you really feel passionate about and you want to show up for, and you want to work remotely and create a life of freedom remotely, check it out. It's really beautiful. And without further ado, I love y'all so much. Here's Kelsey. Enjoy. Kelsey, what's up? How you doing?
1: Hey, I'm great. How are you? Happy Monday.
0: Happy Monday. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, talk about some of the work that you do in the world and this, this journey that we're all on to really find happiness and fulfillment. Um, why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, the work that you do now, and we can kind of dive into some of these unanswerable questions of the universe and explore that.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well... It's funny that you mentioned happiness because my story all starts in the void of unhappiness. <laughs> so great segue. When I was in my late teens, I suffered through three years of intense depression and At the time i didn't really understand or know exactly why i was depressed but looking back i can see some big things that happened for starters i was training my whole life to be a professional ballet dancer and i had a lot of injuries at the time so that wasn't feeling too good for me i wasn't able to perform i wasn't able to move i wasn't able to dance which to me was like breathing at the time so i didn't really associate that with the depression at the time but looking back i think that was a huge key component And also I was a teenager. I was in love. I became sexually active. So I was like, I'm gonna be responsible and get on birth control. And that really effed up my hormones very severely. And, um, that was a part of it. So it was like a hormonal storm, plus not being able to do the thing I loved. Plus I was just really lacking intimacy and deep connection in my life to myself emotionally and also to the people around me. So People actually didn't really understand how depressed I was because I had what they call, I believe you pronounce it dysthymia depression. So you're still functional. So I was still going to school. I was still getting things done, but on the inside, I was like dying. And especially in the morning and the night when I wasn't busy, it was really bad. And so I was just lacking connection. And at the time I was very like allergic to feeling. (laughs) And so I think suppressing and denying the sadness only like perpetuated my experience inside of depression, which now I know, but back then I didn't understand. So I was really sad. I was really unhappy. And I just came to a point where I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I was like, you know what? I can't live like this. Like I need to figure it out or I'm just going to kill myself. Like those are the options. Right. So
0: were you close to actually You know, committing suicide or is that just a thought that you were kind of
1: It was a thought that I had contemplated several Mm. times, but it was never anything I took action on
0: because I still like what is worse than this, like and you start entertaining the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd
1: be like, Oh, what a relief it would be to like drive on the wrong side of the road and get hit by a bus or like things Mm. like that. And, um, but of course I had like my family, and my friends in the back of my mind. So I was like, well, I'm not going to make them fucking depressed because I don't feel good. That's not mm-hmm. really fair. So I was like, well, it's not like the best solution, but it would be nice, you know? So anyway, I went through that whole thing for a couple of years and eventually I was just like, universe, like help me out here. I got to figure this out. I need to learn how to have a good quality of life. Like I'm open, just like help me. And when I kind of said that prayer, almost made that declaration, like this is it, I just started attracting the right people and resources and books and podcasts and perspective shifts. And the biggest one was one of my hair clients at the time, because I'm a cosmetologist by trade. She um, was telling me about her gratitude journal And I was like, oh, this gratitude journal. She says it makes her so happy and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'll try it. It sounds stupid, but I'll try it. And at this point, I was still kind of depressed, but I was ready to not be depressed. Like I was very ready. And so for three weeks, every morning and every night, i just write down a couple of things that I was thankful for. And at the beginning, it was hard because I wasn't thankful for anything. I was like, oh, I was so stupid. I hate my life. But you could be thankful for silly things like, oh, I was thankful for my slippers and my cereal and my bed and whatever. And so eventually, a couple weeks later, I started feeling so good. I had shift shifted my perspective from everything that was wrong with my life to a lot of things that were working and that I enjoyed about my life. And I was feeling happier than I had felt even before I was depressed. in Just, just in a, a short month, couple
0: of weeks, right?
1: Just in a couple of weeks of doing that and, and rewiring the, the time, neural pathways. Did you
0: know at the time that that was because of the, the journaling gratitude practice? Or was it just like, I'm feeling better? Because that's the thing with depression and, the, and our inner emotions, right? They're so subtle. That like all of a sudden you'll be feeling good one day and you won't be able to attribute to like, maybe I ate something that made me feel good or maybe I didn't, you know, I've been drinking a lot more water. And so were you able to be like, gratitude was the reason that I've started getting out of this thing?
1: I think it was one of the biggest reasons, but there was one person who came into my life and he was a holistic doctor slash chiropractor and my therapist had referred me to him. And cause I wanted help. And I didn't want to take medicine because the hormonal imbalance helped get me into the mess in the whole first place. So I was like, no medicine. I just want to do this on my own. And he was like, you know, he was going to prescribe me like St. John's ward or some herbal stuff. And he was like, you know, it seems to me like you're on the end of this thing and you're a really strong woman. And like, you have a good head on your shoulders and you have a great perspective about this. And like, I'm not even worried about you. Like not to diminish how you feel in your depression, but like, you just don't seem like you're that depressed anymore to me. Mm. And when he told me those words, I was like, dang, you're right. I was like, I am a badass bitch. Sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on your show. I was like, yeah, I'm strong. Yeah. I'm resilient. Just like him seeing that in our first meeting and like expressing it to me really like clicked something in my mind and in my uh, like confidence to like get over the last hump of the depression. Cause I was already so over it and so done with it. So that and the gratitude and everything else I was consuming at the time, it just all helped me to get on the other side. And I realized that on the other side, I was able to shine brighter and feel happier than I had ever felt before, because I feel like our emotional spectrum has to have balance on both sides. So like the darker you go, it's also like the brighter you can shine. Mm-hmm. You you expand your capacity in both directions. So I was just like... Dang, I never felt like this. (laughs) Mm. Glad I don't feel like that anymore. And also, Mm. I never felt like this. And I'm like, people would say that I'm naturally a happy, bubbly, energetic person, but this was like a new level Mm. at that time.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so how now that you're kind of gone through, you know, kind of a deep, dark, depressive episode, you understand that you can empathize, empathize with people that are going through that. And obviously, it's a big part of the work that you do. How would you? describe depression now, um, from this kind of new lens and how would you help somebody who might be feeling these things navigate, you know, through the depression and, and, you know, the stories of what they're telling themselves?
1: Yeah. So if we look at the definition of depression from the book that psychologists use to diagnose people, I forget the name, It'll basically say it's someone who feels depressed for more than three weeks. So if you're feeling sad and depressed for more than three weeks, then you can be clinically diagnosed with some form of depression. So really, it's not that anything's wrong with you. It's that you've been feeling bad for a certain amount of time, right? I don't really like the whole depression is a mental illness label because for a lot of people, that's disempowering and it makes it seem like there's something wrong with them. But- Mm -hmm. Now well, where another I stand form of them
0: giving power away, right? And being the victim of this thing that they don't really have control over, which it doesn't give you the 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 power, the empowerment to take back control and know that you are the creator of your reality, right? It kind of gives that power.
1: Well, and it just makes you feel broken. Mm-hmm. Like this is something wrong with you. It's a disease. You're sick. Your brain is effed up. Like nobody wants to hard hear that. the <laughs>
0: is, right, when you're in that mode and in, in that depressive state, those are the stories that you're living in the lens in which you're right. in reality. So that's what makes it so damn challenging.
1: Yeah, it's challenging because the depression is very convincing and you don't have great perspective when you're in the middle of it. Like now on the other side, when I'm feeling better, I can have perspective of what was going on, why I was feeling upset, what happened. But when you're in the middle of it, it's just like you're in the eye of a storm. It's very confusing. You don't understand why you're sad. And then what makes you feel even more crazy on top of feeling depressed and you might not even know why. So you're like, okay, I'm sad for no reason. This makes no sense. My life is great, whatever. Like I have good things. Like I shouldn't be sad. Then on top of that, like shaming and feeling like you shouldn't feel sad, you're just like, what is wrong with me? And if you're asking yourself what is wrong with you, you've already like went so far down the spiral because nothing's wrong with you for being sad. It's an emotion that's a part of the human experience. So judging your experience, I've found is only a form of resistance that's going to keep you stuck there longer in the uncomfortable space. So now what I do with my coaching clients and on my self-love retreats and all that is help people to gently embrace how they feel, to release judgment of themselves when they feel any way outside of happy and to help them to not be scared of how they feel. Because I think I was too scared to fully embrace my sadness One, because I didn't really have anyone who was good enough at holding space for me. And two, because I was really convinced that like, if I actually feel my sadness, like I will die. Like my heart's just going to stop beating because I'm so heartbroken and I will die. Right. So you think Mm -hmm. that like feeling your feelings equals death, but actually the opposite is true. So when you can find the courage and the space and the safety to feel how you actually feel, your body, your emotional body knows how to heal itself. It's just that we often don't give it the time and space to do that because we're too scared or we're not willing to get uncomfortable or we don't know how, you know? So that's kind of my life's work now, or a part of it at least, is helping people to feel their feelings in their body in a non judgmental, open, gentle, compassionate way. And then they'll process themselves because. I would not, I guarantee you, I would not have been depressed for three years if I have fully allowed myself to feel how sad that I was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I definitely want to dive into the work you're doing and, and, and kind of help the listeners understand more of this this healing journey and kind of making it more accessible because it's. I think it's something we all need to go on individually so that we can continue to work in shifting the collective narrative as well. But you know, so Do you feel depression come up anymore? And how do you navigate? I mean, would you label it depression? I mean, obviously you have the tools now, but how would you navigate it if you do start feeling those things come up or does it, is it kind of doesn't come up anymore?
1: No, it definitely comes up, but not as often. So it's more rare for me to feel like I would say depression is when you feel like severely sad, like sadness is like not quite as severe as depression. And then there's like hopelessness and depression and hopelessness are kind of like sisters down there. Um, But yeah, I definitely get like that sometimes. But now instead of needing three years to try and avoid it and run away from it and figure it out and resist it. I can just sit for five, 10, 15 minutes and cry and then feel better. Yeah,
0: right, <laughs> so the recovery happen.
1: time is much, much quicker. Like if we're talking about quantum leaps here, you go from three years to five minutes That's a big jump of how like quickly you can process something and how resilient you can be. So I'm all about emotional resilience. I'm not like trying to say that I'm happy all the time. I'm happy most of the time, but that's because when I'm not happy, I let myself feel like that fully. And then I come naturally back to a baseline of happiness after I process. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. And, and processing without judgment, right? Just allowing it, being present with the experience as it unfolds. And in order to get to a place in the present moment to work through stuff in real time and having the tools, you need to kind of go back and heal the past traumas that you didn't have the tools to navigate those. Cause right. you know, there's a lot of research about the somatic response and the body hold the, you know, the body keeps the score. It holds on to different traumas and experiences even unconsciously. And mm-hmm. so to be able to go back and heal those and release those gives you the ability to come back to a place of presence and kind of an equilibrium so that, you know, it doesn't make life all like glowy and sunshine all the time, but it allows you to be present with it as it unfolds and giving you the right tools to process those emotions rather than suppressing them and denying them and then that's yeah. what kind of makes you hold on to it and then you kind of get triggered into different things and and express those emotions in an unhealthy way that can be damaging to your relationships and to your life Exactly.
1: And I'm not trying to say that it's easy or that it's fun. Like this is the not sexy part of personal development, which is why a lot of teachers don't teach it and they don't talk about it. They're just like, think positive, do this to avoid how you feel, like be spiritual. Your life is a video game. None of this is real. Like that'll help you not give a fuck and become enlightened. And it's like, okay, mm, that has its time and place, but also like You came here to be a human. Mm. So I think the most spiritual thing you can do is embrace your humanity. Mm. And when you allow yourself to embrace your humanity, then you don't have resistance to life. And when you don't have resistance to life, or at least less resistance, things flow, more magic, more manifesting power, more everything awesome that you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the beauty of when you feel when you're able to connect to the presence and the energy of presence and love and these higher vibrational fields and frequencies internally, how you can really attract and create the life that you want. But I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, collectively, there's there's obviously this, this pandemic of mental health, of mm-hmm. depression, of this collective kind of suffering because... And, and I'd love to get your perspective on, is this because yeah. people... Maybe because I ask everybody, I kind of told you before the show, like one of the questions I ask everybody is like, what's the purpose of life? And do you think it, it kind of correlates to this this depression pan, uh, epidemic, I guess you would say, of not understanding like the deeper purpose and meaning of what life is and like losing that? You said you get into this hopelessness and like don't want to show up and like why am I li- living if there's so much suffering? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you think? Um, do you think that's a correlation? And what do you think the, the the bigger purpose is and how important it is to connect with that thing in order to find that deeper fulfillment?
1: Yeah, I think it that could definitely be a part of it. But my theory is that the reason why so many people are depressed today is because we don't have connection in our lives. So we're not feeling connected to ourselves. We're not feeling connected, especially to other people. As a person, our number one need is intimacy with other humans. So it's easy to become depressed when you're in isolation and everybody's locked apart, separate, and you're not supposed to go outside and you're not supposed to see each other's faces and you're not supposed to talk within six feet and you're not supposed to touch each other. Like all of these things- No more hugs? Who's the hug police? Right. These are all very valid antidotes to depression. Like human connection is our number one need. We are one of the only species that can't survive as babies without love and physical touch and connection. Almost every other animal could probably make it alone, but not babies, not people. I mean,
0: even like you look at the, the studies they're doing with like zoo animals and how they, when they're in captivity, they're like, they literally start you're manifesting this depressed this depressive attitude, this anxiety that they don't have when they're in the wild. And it's because yeah. they're isolated from, you know, their natural state of being and connected to their, their own tribe. Very really fascinating.
1: Yeah. So isolation, not great. Uh, <laughs> disconnection, really not beneficial also. So, and I think too, like, you know, as Americans, if I'm speaking in like American terms, I think just, you know, poor diet, not enough sunshine, like the basics, <laughs> drinking clean water, getting exercise. We're very, um, what's the word? Sedentary, mm. not moving a lot and moving helps to move energy. It helps with your emotions. It helps with everything. So it's like the basic everyday stuff that I feel like a lot of people just aren't doing, even though they know that it would help them. And also we're just lacking connection. And I don't think feeling connected or not connected to your purpose so much is the thing. I think it's more the judgment of, I don't know what my purpose is. Maybe I don't have a purpose. What am I doing here? Those types of questions will make you feel bad about yourself.
0: Yeah. And that's coming from (laughs) the narrative of the programming that we grew up in, in the society that we grew up in telling us what happiness looks like, what success looks like. You need to make enough money, have the perfect partnership you know, the white picket fence, this whole story that if you're not doing these things and checking off the list, then you feel like you're, you know, when you compare yourself to that narrative, of course, you're going to be depressed because you're not feeling it. So talk about, you know, I think a big piece of this whole journey is the connection, right? And not necessarily, well, it is connection with others, but you cannot, you can only connect with others to the extent that you connect yourself with yourself, right? You can only love another to the extent that you love yourself. So for the listeners, how do how can you navigate that journey towards a deeper sense of love for yourself and connection for yourself so that you can start connecting with others, right? Because to show up as an authentic being, you can only receive love if you know who you are. And, and, and that's the real journey. And so how to, how to uh, maybe share with the, the listeners how to navigate that journey of really, you know, that self realization and discovery and, and knowing who you are on a deeper level.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things that have really helped me in my journey of getting to know myself more and improving my relationship with myself, which as you said, translates to improving all relationships in your life and being able to love people more once you love yourself more is number one is to get curious, like just be curious. Who am I? what do I like to do? What are my preferences? What are my boundaries? What are my values? What do I really enjoy? What do I really not enjoy? Why do I feel like this right now? What maybe happened to me that caused me to always react in this way when I get triggered? Curiosity is a huge beneficial tool when it comes to the self-discovery journey. If you can be genuinely curious, not in a mean self-critical way, but just in like a compassionate, open way, like, Hmm, I'm really curious about myself. You can learn a lot. And when you can learn that with openness, you'll usually come to have compassion and understanding for yourself, which will translate to you really easily being able to have compassion and understanding for
0: others. Beautiful. Yeah. And it takes courage, right? It takes courage to show up and be Yeah, because
1: you don't always want to see everything that you are. Um,
0: (laughs) And like, you know, you look out in the world, like the majority of people aren't getting curious about their story. They're not taking responsibility for their lives. They're not understanding that they are the creator of their reality. And they look externally at the circumstances of their life and they either complain, they play the victim. And so that initial first awakening that everybody needs to go through is and a lot of times it happens through you know a dark night of the soul or a challenge or like you like for you the depressive episode where you start being forced to question those things, mm-hmm. you know, and and life gets it's bad enough for you to start questioning like what why am I showing up how am I showing up in this way and I think it's really challenging for people and it does take a lot of courage to do that because as soon as you start getting curious you have to get curious about how you're showing up and start taking responsibility for that and kind of the older you are. The more life you have to kind of look at and be like, wow, I really kind of created this life through playing a victim my entire life. And it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of courage to, to wake up to that fact. And yeah, it's one hell of a journey.
1: Well, it takes courage and it takes willingness to actually use the information that you discover to make changes. Because if you try to go on a spiritual journey, but you're not willing to actually change your habits, change your life, change your thoughts, change your perspective, it is going to be extremely painful for you to have all these realizations and then stay exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. So you have to be open. And then part two, you have to be willing to implement that information and make positive changes. So I can just give a super basic example. So let's say I discover that I value having a clean home, right? And I don't, I'm a slob. I don't do anything. I don't change my habits. I don't clean my house. I realize that I feel better when it's clean and when it's bright and when it smells good, yet I don't make the action to change that. So I'm just going to be suffering in my dirty house because I'm not living in alignment with my preference that I Mm. already consciously discovered. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like a really basic example But same could be said for like dating. You date a bunch of jerks. You realize, I don't want to be with jerks anymore. I want to be with someone who's nice. And then the next hottie comes along and he's also a jerk. And you bulldoze your actual needs, wants, and preferences and go for him because you're not willing to be uncomfortable in the singlehood, right? And then you wonder why you're stuck in the same toxic cycle so it's Mm. like you got to be willing to make the changes once you learn these things about yourself you have to craft your life in a way that is supporting you using the information that you've learned about yourself because everyone's happiness and success is going to be and look different based on their values and preferences
0: Mm. not everyone
1: prefers to live a certain way
0: yeah no doubt Yeah. And that's a good segue into, I wanted to talk, you you mentioned earlier, and this is kind of the story you just said is, is setting proper boundaries, energetic Mm -hmm. boundaries, boundaries for yourself, boundaries with your partner. Can you dive into that a little bit? Because I think it's a really important aspect of finding true connection and being a sovereign being and being able to set proper boundaries and kind of not giving your power away and trying to do it and please Mm -hmm. others. I think it's a common story with a thread within our our society. So talk a little bit about boundaries and and the importance of, of setting them and what it really means on a deeper level.
1: Yeah. So I think I look at boundaries a little bit different than some people. A lot of people initially, when they hear the word boundaries, they think walls or limitations. Like this is where you cannot enter. I'm putting up a wall. These are my rules. But that's not really how I look at boundaries. I look at boundaries as you living in alignment with your preference. So going back to my example, if I prefer to be with nice people, then my boundary is I only date nice people. And if someone mean comes in, then I don't date them. That's me living in my boundary, living in alignment with my preference, right? Or if your parents are being disrespectful to you and you prefer to relate to them in a way where they're being kind and respectful to you, you can voice your boundary and be like, hey, I want to relate with you, but this is how it works for me. So it's honestly, if someone's putting a boundary with you or you're putting a boundary with someone else, it's because you want to keep relating with them. It's a way to maintain connection in a way that works for both parties. Well, Mm -hmm. in a a, um, really compatible world, it would work for both parties, right? So it's not a way to keep people out or shut people out. It's just living in alignment with your preferences. And at its simplest form, like boundaries are what make us, us. So like I might like vanilla ice cream and you like chocolate ice cream. Like those are our boundaries. Those are things that make us different. That makes you Joe. And that makes me Kelsey. So it's like, I'm a separate being because I have these boundaries and preferences from you. While from a higher perspective at the same time, we're all connected and we're all fragments of God. If you want to see it mm. that way.
0: Yeah. I'd love to dive more into that, that topic as well. Yeah, but yeah. yeah I mean, the boundaries really comes down to back to this concept of self love. Right. Yeah. And, it could be something as simple as, um, you know, I want my, like, I, I want a clean house like you're talking about. And, you know, my partner's kind of keeping it messy. It's like me kind of not saying anything to her. It's a hard conversation because it might trigger something within her I'd be like, Hey, like, can we, you know, work on, on cleaning the house up? It's really affecting my energy. If I don't have a boundary of actually saying that because I love myself and my preference, that that can really quickly turn into resentment without the proper communication because she is oblivious to her. She doesn't really know. A really good example, actually, real world example. I I mean, I've done a lot of work and I don't really get triggered that much, but for some reason, and I think it's because of football, I've got some PTSD with being on time. Mm. And I was always five minutes early to everything and we always had everything scheduled. And so even now, like I'm always right on time. I have like a really good time awareness. I always like check the clocks. It's probably, you know, some people like really easy flow. So my wife... She, she, it's not a big story for her to be on time. She's just like in flow. She doesn't check the clock. And so there's this one time we were going to a yoga class together and it's like 15 minutes away. And so like 20 minutes before the class is about to start and we're like getting ready to leave. And like, I'm ready. And she's like, okay. Like, I'm like, Hey, we need to get ready to let go. And she's, you know, kind of slowly taking her time. And I'm just like, I can feel in my chest, like this energy coming up and I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. And I start like thinking, Oh, why would she do this, this, that, like knowing that she's doing purpose or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we got in the car and we're driving, I'm just feeling all this internal energy and she's just acting like nothing's wrong. And so we're about halfway there. And I was like, I was like, babe, I just, I got to say something. And she's like, what? And I was like, I am really like on fire internally. And I'm really triggered. Like, we're going to be late. And like, you're kind of just taking your time. And I just need to express like, one of the things for me is like, be on time. And I get really like anxious when I'm not. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't know that. Like, it's not, and we literally showed up like right on time, but I like to be a little bit early so I can have that yeah. little window. And she And because I was able to say that, like you know, in my past relationships, my pattern would be like, I don't want to speak my truth. Like it, maybe I don't feel like it's, a big deal, or I don't want to hurt her feelings or project something onto her. And so I would just keep it in. And then the more times that would happen, because obviously if I didn't communicate it, the next time we go to yoga, maybe it happens again and the energy builds more. And all of a sudden there's this internal resentment and it might come out in a different thing that has nothing to do with that. And so we're both confused on like, why are, why do we get to, into this energetic cycle of, of not really understanding each other connecting it. It's because I wasn't able to express my truth in that boundary. And now, you know, she's on time for everything. And when she's not, she's able to communicate. communicate that with me because she knows it's something that affects me. And I think it's just a really simple example, you know, and that can be like a deep, deep, way deep, as deep as you want to go. And some of those hard conversations that you think maybe this person can't handle it, but it doesn't really matter because if you love yourself, you're going to have to show up and set those boundaries. And when you do that, something really beautiful happens because it gives permission for the other person to set their boundaries. And then you can come back into your sovereignty and, you know, to have a real true, connection with somebody that's going to, you know, last a while is you have to both be in your sovereign energy and support each other through the lessons and growth that, you know, both provide through that relationship.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect daily life simple example that I think everyone can relate to in one way or another cuz really at the end of the day like you asserting your boundaries is just expressing a need or preference or living in alignment with that need and preference with yourself right so you might not need to say it to yourself but you need to show it to yourself in your daily life um, and it's yeah it just comes down to like self-respect honoring yourself valuing yourself and putting yourself at least in your life first because Actually, if everybody put themselves first in their own life, not at the sacrifice of other people, but just me and then everybody else, like how they say on the airplane, you know, you need to breathe first before you help other people breathe, Mm. then the world would be a much more harmonious place because people would be, I think, just more honest about what they need and want. People would maybe know themselves a little bit better, treat themselves a lot better. And as we've already established, you know, self-love translates to love of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's about what just came to me as I was watching a show on Netflix with my wife last night. It's called Manifest. And it's about Mm -hmm. this plane that went missing. I don't know if you've watched it, but it's, it's pretty good, but it's like kind of got this soap opera energy to it (laughs) and like, all of the the interactions between the people because this plane went missing for five and a half years and it's really cool like concept and it kind of just reappeared but the people on the plane time didn't pass at all they just like flew through some turbulence but then when they landed everybody was five and a half years older like their family and friends but so like there was a lot of like conflict right. But, in the show, there was like everybody was like lying to each other, like they weren't speaking their truth. Like, for example, one of the w- women her husband was on the flight, and then she went over the five and a half years had to process and grieve for the loss of him, and then found another partner and then they they kind of became intimate and involved in the family dynamic. and then this this guy all of a sudden comes back, and so she's like not able to communicate how she feels with this rather than being like, Hey, this is what happened. This is how I feel. Of course, this happened. Like, and understanding that they should have compassion for that, and working through it together. It's like this this big shadowy, you know, story that like nobody. I was just watching. Like, if everybody just spoke their truth right now and owned how they were feeling, and not projected it onto others, this would be a different story. But that's like so intertwined into our culture, into our society that people don't feel comfortable expressing themselves because they don't think the world will understand, and they're projecting their internal world externally. It's quite fascinating how, you know, intertwined it is into our culture.
1: It's funny that you made that observation because I was literally thinking the same exact thing the other day when I was finishing the last few episodes of Grace and Frankie because every dilemma that happens in the show is because somebody's just not telling the truth, not willing to have that uncomfortable conversation or not wanting to share like how they're actually feeling about something. And now I'm just like thinking about that show and all shows. And I'm just like, wow, we can watch these shows with this new lens and be like, how Funny it is that we are so allergic to being uncomfortable that we cause all this unnecessary drama and chaos, which I think to some degree, like we like, right? Like we like watching these shows. We like when life gets a little dramatic. You know, we don't want everything to be perfect all the time. But at the same time, I think there's definitely room for improvement and more better functioning <laughs> relationships. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> a
0: lot of need for it. And that's kind of the journey we're all on collectively. Um Let's talk about the, the energy of, of being present and, mm-hmm. you know, manifesting your reality. There's a lot of words in the spiritual community and the new ageism about, you know, you know, manifesting what you want and, and creating the life that you desire. And, and basically you can call in whatever you want. Talk a little bit more about that in practical sense and how to embody the energy to start focusing and visualizing on the life that you want to create for yourself.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions about the law of attraction and manifestation is that your thoughts alone are what manifest your reality. But I had to break it to you, guys. Your thoughts are only one point of attraction that you have. You also have your emotional body. You also have your subconscious mind. You also have your higher self that has its own agenda for you. You have many different points of attraction. So you're manifesting from all those spaces. So it's not as simple as I'm just going to think it into being. I mean, that does work when you're in alignment and you don't have resistance. But usually we do have some resistance, some blockages. And what I love about manifesting and the manifestation journey is I feel like the universe is set up in this way where it's like our dreams and desires are the carrot on the stick that are perfectly in alignment with our soul like growth contract and like who we want to become. So let's say if you want to manifest this amazing partnership, but in order to become a vibrational match to that, you have to do some radical self-love work. You have to do some healing. You have to become that awesome partner yourself. Like that journey of becoming that person is just as satisfying as getting the relationship. It's a two way, like goal streak where you want to manifest the thing, but also you want to become the person who can sustainably enjoy and really take in and receive that thing. Mm. So I like to think of like our dreams and desires as little inspirations to become the person that we're like meant to be and that we want to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have a good example of that. My, my friend, uh, he, he, is really ready to settle down, find a partner. And this is a couple of years ago. And, you know, he, he's not very outgoing. He kind of has his own comfort zone, doesn't get out of it. He kind of goes home and goes through his daily habits. And, you know, I sat down with him and he's like, hey, I'm just really ready to like call in this this partner. And, you know, this partner, I'm like, well, okay, like let's work on this manifesting exercise. I didn't really say this because I don't think he's really open to it. But I'm like... <laughs> You know, even I remember even when I was younger, my my parents would say, like, write a list of, of the things you want in the person, right? And so there's that's the level to that. But I was like, okay, so who 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 do you see in a partner? Who's the perfect partner? Who do you want to call into your life? And he starts naming off these things and this and that. And so we talked about it for like 20, 30 minutes. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, okay, so think about, you know, the perspective of and look at life through the lens of this person you're trying to attract in. And who would they? Who would that person want to be with? And if if you look at yourself and you say it's not not me, then how can you embody the person that that person wants to be with? And it's the same thing, you know, talking about this concept of we're all mirrors. And like, if you can l- learn to love yourself fully, be sovereign in your own energy, and not need that partner to fulfill you, it's it's crazy how fast it happens. Where that energetic match will just be drawn to you in this beautiful way that we can't really comprehend.
1: Yeah. And that's why people always say that annoying thing of like, become your own soulmate first. And you're like, well, I don't want to date myself first. So it's like, okay,
0: I just want (laughs) want them. I just
1: want them to love me. I don't want to love me. But even if you go and
0: you're, you're, you're in that mindset, right? And you're like, I want to find the partner. And you find the person and you still haven't fully done the work on yourself. It might be good for a little while, but eventually you're going to be projecting your need for that person to fill that hole within yourself. And no, I promise you, nobody can do that for you.
1: Yeah, it's too much pressure.
0: hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I think when I look at relationships and needs and especially like our romantic partnership, so many people make like everything about their partner. Like I need all of my human needs to be met by this one person. And it's like, that is too much pressure. They're there for maybe one, two, four, five needs. Don't give all your needs to that one person you have friends to help fulfill your needs. You got mentors to help fulfill your needs. You got kids, you got parents, you are very resourced. So I just want to throw that little tidbit in there. Let's release some pressure and resource ourselves from many different angles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really important, especially for long-term relationships. I mean, a big, big story people get caught in is that codependency, right? And if you're not, if you get into a relationship, I mean, it's really beautiful to see people in relationships that are in that dynamic. And then they kind of, um, you know, have, you know, their own awakening and they start doing this internal work and for them to kind of navigate the energy that that codependency's created and then see them navigate it, coming back to their own sovereignty, creating their own boundaries, resourcing themselves with more community, it's really beautiful to witness because it takes a lot of work for those types of relationships. I have so much respect for people that are able to do that because you know, usually one person kind of wakes up to it and they start growing and the other person's not ready to change the dynamic because they feel comfortable and safe. And that's where, you know, I went through this myself with my partner, and it was one of the hardest things because I loved her so deeply. But I I began to grow up and kind of understand and try and take in my power back. And it just the dynamic was not working any longer. And I had to come to realization that. I deserve better because I love myself more than this. And it's not even necessarily the person. It's just the dynamic that was created yeah. because we we kind of trigger each other's unconscious needs and desires. And that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life was break off that relationship and transition out of it because I loved her so much, but I had to love myself more. And that's what that led yeah. to.
1: Yeah. I respect that. I had a relationship like that and it sucked to end it. It was so sad. I I mean, some parts of me are like still sad. I'm like, damn, I can't believe that didn't work out. That sucks. Like I really, like really, really loved and honored that person. But you know, you got to also honor yourself. And now I'm with someone who I also have a very similar connection with, but we're much more compatible. So, you know, it all works out, but it's hard. Separation is like one of the hardest things in the human experience. like ever. Yeah.
0: yeah, separation. Let's talk a little bit about you know what you talked about with with God, and we're all aspects mm-hmm. of God, and we are having this separate experience, like you just talked about. Talk about your um, kind of definition of God, your connection to God or spirit or the universe or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and how you've how that relationship to the greater intelligence of the universe, you know, has developed, mm-hmm. and the importance of it in this journey through life. Is it something that's necessary for people to to connect with in some way? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think there's plenty of happy people out there who aren't spiritual at all. So I don't think it's a necessity to consciously be spiritual or connect with it. I think there are a lot of people just doing their own thing, living a great life. Um, But in my experience, I am a very mystical woman. So I love to connect to the unseen and the energies of life and sometimes people on the other side and, you know, all different kinds of things. And to me, coming back to the God question, my perspective of God is like funny because I have some different perspectives. Like I have my lingering like Catholic upbringing perspective of like man in the sky. And like, sometimes I'll still like pray to that image of like him be like, Hey God, like help me out with this thing or whatever. But then at the same time, I think that God is the energy that makes up everyone and everything. So God is this house plant that I'm looking at. God is this crystal. God is this desk. God is my earrings. God is you. God is me. And I have this theory that God or the universe, however you want to call, like split into all these different fragments to experience itself from many different perspectives. So I'm experiencing myself through you through me so it's like a very interesting self-exploration really um and I just think of everything and everyone as God so they're super powerful they're super sovereign and also like so am I like we're all on the same level we're all in the same playing field and it's just cool to get to know myself through them if I'm speaking Mm -hmm. from God's perspective of how I see it today
0: yeah. Cause we all have our own unique perspective of the universe. Right. And I, I contemplate this quite a bit because, you know, we all have our own unique perception of reality. There's no two the same like snowflakes. It's pretty fascinating. You can't even wrap your head around it. That's just in this time, this day and age, but there's obviously all the perspectives from out history and maybe there's different timelines and dimensions, but it is fascinating. Cause you know, you're talking about like, we're all mirrors for each other. That's just kind of the same concept. And you know, our internal world, we project out onto the world. So like even my my story of who you are in relation to me is my own unique story and perspective. Somebody else's story of you, your own story of you, all are different. So it is like I'm navigating this, this whole reality through my own perspective and I get to create the stories of people. And so if someone's like, you know, super angry and it triggers anger within me and I keep seeing angry people everywhere, it's because my internal world is projecting that out into my universe and it's reflecting back to me and i think this self-development self-realization path and journey is a path to know god to know that deeper because to know thyself is to know god because like you're saying we're all aspects of the creator we're literally creators in creation creating this reality as we go through it and this idea of this this conscious awareness and so we are Like the 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 path of understanding yourself and getting curious about yourself and you go start, you know, shining that light of awareness inward, you're gonna be on a path to to knowing God. I think it naturally Mm -hmm. uncovers, and you know, for me, I had a lot of resistance to the word God and Jesus in the Bible because I grew up in, you know, the Christian household. And but it's really beautiful to kind of work through that and going through my own self-development journey and shining that light of awareness on myself and working through my own, you know, experiences and traumas and releasing a lot of these stories. I have come to know and connect with that higher intelligence in a deeper way because I've gotten to know myself in a deeper way.
1: Yeah. And I really believe that right now, more than ever, God wants to know itself. So I think that has to do with a lot more people doing introspective work. And I had this huge breakthrough slash perspective shift about God within the last year or two that like also God's not perfect and God makes mistakes. And when I realized that I actually was able to release a lot of resentment about my life. i i I'm like, God, how could you, you effed me over like, blah, blah. like there was definitely phases in my life where I was angry with God. If we mm. think of God and like, the religious perspective of like, God is this higher power and you're a person like, help me. Um, And when I just like contemplated the idea that maybe like God's not perfect because I'm God and also I'm not perfect, I was just like, mind blown.
0: (laughs) Because God is all of it. And I think, you know, you talk about the healing journey. I think healing is synonymous with forgiveness, right? And to in order to let go of these old stories, these traumas, these experiences, this somatic energy we're holding in our bodies is to let go, is to heal, is to forgive. And part of that journey is this forgiveness and letting go of resentment towards God for maybe the experiences you've had and coming back to a place of, you know, widening the perspective on everything that's happened to me, although it might have been really challenging, hard, I can look back on it and know that I am who I am today because of all the experiences that I've had. And when you start doing this work, you become really grateful. And that's why you talked about gratitude. I like, loved it so much because gratitude for me is the secret sauce of the universe. If you can find gratitude for just even waking up and taking a breath and being alive, I mean, you can navigate anything. And you know, talk about the the, the frequencies and the vibration and, and how emotion kind of vibrates on different frequencies. You know, shame is the lowest vibrational frequency in the world, in this universe, in this reality. And, and gratitude is a way to access these higher levels of being these higher levels of vibration and when you can create a baseline of gratitude then you can access these higher vibrations like joy fulfillment love and gratitude is that gateway to those higher levels of being
1: yeah gratitude's like such a great vibration hack
0: i like Mm -hmm. to say it's
1: a vibration hack you know you can get from point D on the vibrational ladder to, you know, maybe point C or B or A very quickly when you're practicing gratitude. Um, But the other like hard part about it is like, you can't always access gratitude in every single moment, right? Like, like when you're in the depths of despair, you're not gonna be like, oh, I'm so grateful that my unborn child died or something, you know? So it's like, it's not the tool for every moment, but when you're ready and open to it, it can be like, shoot you up.
0: Yeah, and the more work you do too is like this concept of faith, right? And this trust in the greater plan or the universe and, you know, in the Christian faith that I grew up in, it's faith is this blind faith. Like you ask questions and and you're curious and you get kind of shunned and you're like, don't be curious, don't ask those questions, just have blind faith and just trust in God. But what I've come to understand is real faith is earned. So you go through a really traumatic event, like losing a child or something, like your example you talked about, yeah, it's going to be fucking hard when you're going through it and you're not going to like it and it's going to gonna be a ton of grief, but to develop a faith and a trust in there's a greater intelligence and maybe I can't see it right now, but there's yeah. going to be something that this leads to that I um, hopefully will look back on and understand and maybe doesn't ever take the grief away, obviously, but a faith in the greater intelligence that maybe this is a lesson for you to alchemize, so that you can go out and and share that medicine with other people and comfort them and console them. And so there's just this, this this wider lens of perspective that you can take um, to see this reality from a different different lens.
1: Yeah, I think perspective is everything. Like if you can shift your perspective and be open and entertain different perspectives and hold many perspectives at one time, that to me is like more enlightenment than just never getting triggered. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think
1: perspective is like when you can be fluid in different perspectives, you can really like jam in this. Yeah. And it's
0: a superpower, really. It's navigate reality because then you can really hold space and be present because, and in order to get to a place like that, you have to understand that we don't know. Like people (laughs) attach to certainty. They want to know the answer. And I've, I've had this on my own path and realizing and that's why I started this podcast discussing the unanswerable questions of the universe because it is all faith. It's like we, we talk about all these concepts, like do we really know what it all means? Do we really know how it all works? Yeah. No. And to get to a place of not knowing means you can hold space for other people's perspectives, have compassion for the story that they're living because that's totally valid too in their perspective that they're living. And it is super right. hard to, to navigate reality with an open mind and that mm-hmm. kind of open perspective and holding space for others. I mean, you can connect with anybody and really... I mean, that's this, this healing presence and you can actually heal people because all on the base foundational level, everybody really just wants to be seen and heard. They don't yeah. want their story to be told how, how wrong they are, or how they're suffering or how they should change. They just want to feel seen and heard. And so if you can offer that presence and, and really see people energetically and hear them without trying to fix them there's so much healing and release that happens in those moments. And if you're really focused on making a difference in the world, how can you be that in every experience, in every situation, in every relationship as it unfolds throughout your day and throughout your life?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's been very magnified in the degree that it's lacking these days in the world, right? With cancel culture and everyone being on two extreme sides and nobody's willing to see the other perspective. And this person shouldn't be mad about that. And this person shouldn't feel how they feel. And it's like, okay, put yourself in their shoes, but it's not actually putting yourself in their shoes that works. Because when you put yourself in their shoes, you're going to be like, well, I wouldn't feel like that. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. think that. I wouldn't believe that because I'm me. But if you were them and you had their life experience and you had their trauma and you had their perspective and their upbringing and everything that's ever happened to them that makes them feel how they feel, you would feel that exact same way because you would be them and how they feel is valid based on what they've experienced and what they believe and what they know and what they see and what they hear. So keep that in mind next time you try to take on someone else's perspective. Don't do it as yourself. Do it as them with mm-hmm. their life.
0: Yeah. And having compassion, knowing that everybody's doing the best they can in any given mm-hmm. moment. If someone's uh, really angry and pissed off, you maybe you don't know the deeper part of their story maybe there's a huge right. trauma maybe their their child did die and they don't know how to process so showing up and projecting out of the world and if you can show up and hold space for that and see them and hear them then you know that the maybe they'll be less triggered and it'll, it'll be able to calm the, the situation and you know talking about perspective I want to kind of talk a little bit about this concept of of death, right? And Mm -hmm. ultimate perspective shift. I think a lot of people that go through, you know, near-death experiences, it's obviously a huge awakening to the impermanence of life. And, you know, I think the only absolute truth on my journey that I've found is impermanence. Everything is Mm -hmm. constantly shifting. Everything is constantly in motion. And death is the ultimate unknown. And it, it creates a lot of fear. And I think a lot of people bypass and don't even confront their death, don't understand the impermanence of life. Talk about the importance of death. How come it's such a taboo thing that people don't think about and how it can really shift your perspective when you fully confront the fact that this experience is finite and there develops this kind of sense of urgency to live more fully in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting question that like is coming at me from many different angles. So let me speak to from my experience in my relationship with death. So as a 20 something year old, I don't want to die. I do think about death. I'm It sometimes it gives me anxiety to think about not knowing when I'm going to die. Right. And it puts that fire under your ass to like do the things you want to do. But at the same time for me, because I tend to be very anxious, the, the thought that brings me soothing is, well, even if I do die, I can just come back and do the things I didn't get to do this time around because I believe in reincarnation. I believe that energy is neither created nor destroyed. I don't think I'm going to necessarily go away when I'm dead. Um, And I definitely believe that I've seen some information from past lives that I've experienced. And I know that I've communicated with people on the other side who have passed away. So to me, I don't think people just disappear. And I don't actually think that there's a heaven and hell. I think it's like it gets whatever you believe in gets created when you pass over so if you believe in heaven you'll end up in heaven if you believe in hell maybe you'll end up in hell I'm not really sure but um I think that heaven can really be created on earth and one of the biggest purposes to be here is to play and to enjoy and to create that you know um so I like to use my life and my finite time here to dedicate towards those things. And I just pray that I live a long life and I die when I'm like 103.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm right, Does that answer I'm right your question? With, I'm right there with you. Well, so yeah, I'd love to dive into your yeah. your, because, you know, reincarnation, I grew up with the Christian household. It was like evil. No way your soul's born in <laughs> this life. And then you have a finite amount of time, a blink of an eye to basically get God's good graces and go to heaven and hell or hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really don't know what happens. I've had some experiences through some psychedelics that I've mm-hmm. kind of transcended the ego and the body and have kind of molded my awareness into the all but I guess my question still is like I truly know that there is something after death I used to confront when I was younger that maybe what if it was what if it was just black what if there's just nothing and then you know someone actually reflected that back to me just not too long ago like even if you saw black and there was nothing you would still be an observer of that nothing so you still have the awareness of it still
1: have consciousness still
0: have consciousness so it's this fascinating kind of paradox um you know, and, and you talked about reincarnation and past lives. And so my whole question is, you know, I truly believe that, you know, the energy kind of goes back in, but does it, do we like go into the all and the oneness of God, or is there this essence that continues on that lives multiple lives that, and is it like the concept of like an oversoul, like me and you are a part of the same oversoul and we're living multiple lives. Like, what do you believe happens when you actually die and what that journey uh, might be like?
1: I guess from my personal programming of books I've read and movies that I've seen, I feel like it makes sense that we would have a soul and the soul is temporarily um, having a body, but like parts of your personality and your soul would be like fixed, like forever and ever. So I feel like some of my characteristics, whether I was a man or a woman, or if I was in these different time periods, like might be the same or similar at least. But then it's like, maybe your soul likes to just play these different flavors and experience these different experiences. So you go in with a new agenda or a new plan Or I heard this crazy theory once of like meta incarnation, where you go back into the same lifetime as the same person, but you try to do it better. And that every time you have deja vu, it's like an inflection point of remembering the last time you were in this lifetime, but maybe you went left instead of going right. And this time you're going to go right or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know. But when I think about it, I definitely right now at this point in my life, subscribe to the whole you know, my soul's on a journey. I have some agendas. I want to experience different human things. So I'm probably just going to keep coming back.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I really like mac and cheese. So sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I think maybe I just came back to the earth so I could eat mac and cheese because you probably can't just eat that in heaven with no body and no stomach. Yeah,
0: right. And like having a a gratitude (laughs) and appreciation for the physical experience. Maybe that's why we're all here. And I love that too, because there is an essence of who we are this this deeper essence cuz even looking back at my own life i feel like i've lived so many life lives just in this one lifetime like mm-hmm. every time you know childhood teenage years different friend circles growing up moving cities playing for different teams like all of these things i had a different kind of story of who i was and i had to kind of you know interact with that different situation but the essence of who i was is the same like i'm such a different person now than i was a year ago 5 years ago 10 years ago for sure But there's an essence that carries through my entire life. And so maybe that same essence, you know, is the thing that kind of passes on between lifetimes, not necessarily the story of Joe, but the essence of the experience.
1: Yeah. And I also feel like I can't really wrap my head around yet the whole concept of like, there is no time from one perspective, like from our perspective, we make time because it's helpful, but... Like from other perspectives, there's no time. And maybe reincarnation is just like everything all happening at once, Mm. you know? So it's not like a linear, like, oh, I die and then I'd be reborn and then I die. It's not like linear on a timeline, like how we think of it. Maybe it's like, it's all existing. It's all happening now.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I (laughs) truly believe that. I don't know if you've done 5-MEO-DMT, but. No, no, Jeff
1: always talks about DMT, my boyfriend, because he's been on a couple experiences, but I have, I haven't. (laughs)
0: Yeah. If you do that, I mean, it was the first time I actually understood, or I guess, I I don't know, I don't know if I could understand it, but I experienced what infinity is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I always used to think like, you know, I talked about growing up, like my parents told me that you're born in this body, that's where your soul was originated. And then you kind of live for eternity, you know, in either heaven or hell. And I was thinking about that constantly, like, well, eternity can't just be a starting point and then forever in one direction on this linear scale. And so it's got to be forever in both directions. But then Mm -hmm. after my 5-MeO-DMT experience, it's, you know, infinity and eternity is not a linear concept at all. The only place that infinity and eternity lives is in the present moment. That's what Mm -hmm. it is, because it is always now. It is never yeah. not now. And it's hard right. to really kind of comprehend <laughs> that and think about that. And then you think about the infinite potential of reality. So everything is happening now, but we only have a perspective of this linear timeline that's happening. And when you blast off in a five-EMo DMT experience, you literally become infinity, which it's all folding in on us. It's really quite a crazy experience. But yeah, I mean, from that, it's like, yeah, the linear time is the illusion. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, for normal people to like even comprehend that if you haven't explored or done any type of, of work, right? It's just yeah. very esoteric topic.
1: Yeah, like I respect it and I explore it. But also there's a part of me that gets like so annoyed when people are like, time's an illusion. Because I'm like, no, it's not. You're going to die. <laughs> like, oh, like from the human perspective, it's happening. There's a yeah. timeline. But totally like I'm with you. I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah,
0: and that's another form of <laughs> bypassing too, right? Is, is being like, oh, we're all energy. We're all it right. doesn't really matter. One of my mentors yeah. says it's like you live in Mac truck reality. If a Mac truck comes down and hits you, you will die. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> back to that perspective, right? We are living this human perspective. So it's how can we take these topic or yeah, these topics, these esoteric topics, this energy, really connect with it, understand it, and create a life that we want to live, uh, you know, fulfillment, joy, happiness. And even the sadness, like really enjoying and being in it. Because like you said, the mac and cheese, right? Like even if we're in soul land and we don't have an experience of sadness and grief, then you know maybe that is a part of the experience that we really are desiring as well. And that's why we came down here to have the experience.
1: Yeah, I think we came here to experience it all. I think if it's happening, it's because you, not because you wanted it to happen consciously, but because like it, your purpose is to be a person. (laughs) That's why you're a person. You know, when people, I think people really overcomplicate their purpose. Like I understand what they mean when they're like, oh, my purpose is to help people do this. Or my purpose is this. And it's usually tied to like career and stuff, which I get it. And I respect, like I would say from that lens, like my purpose is to help people explore beneficial perspectives and to help them have compassion for themselves and relief and healing and whatever. Um, But at the same time, it's like, your purpose is just whatever you want to do while you're mm. here, and also your purpose is to just be a person. You can't not be living in your purpose. Mm. Like you can't not do it. You're yeah. already doing it. <laughs> you know.
0: Uh, that's why I ask everybody on the show. It's like, what What's the purpose of life? Why are we here? And for me, life.
1: I think it's, the it's purpose is life.
0: <laughs> right? It's to have an experience. Yeah. So whatever experience you're having is be present with the experience as it's unfolding, because that's the purpose: is to be present. And experience life to the fullest. Kelsey, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been an absolutely magical conversation. I loved exploring this stuff with you. Um, I'll give you a chance to kind of plug what you're working on where people can find you. Um, but for you premium members, make sure you guys stick around because we're going to have an extended episode where we're going to ask Kelsey what her secrets to the universe. And I have a feeling it's going to be gold. If you're not a premium member and you want to get access to these extended episodes, plus, uh, other amazing content, like the ability to drop into some live podcasts that I'm putting together, you can go to the link in the show notes, uh, check it out. It's really simple. And you'll basically get a private feed with all of my normal content plus extended episodes. And, um, it's just $7 a month. If you feel called to support the podcast in that way. And if you don't feel called to support it financially, um, screw you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh You can support this podcast simply by leaving a five-star review. And if anything in this conversation resonated with you and you think it might have a positive impact on somebody that you know, uh, please go ahead and share it with them. That goes a long way in really supporting the podcast and me reaching a wider audience and trying to get this message of curiosity and compassion and love so that we can continue to shift this collective narrative and create a better reality for all. Kelsey, thank you so much. Where can people find you, what you're working on? I know you wrote a book, which I'm really impressed with because it has been proving to be one of the biggest challenges of my life. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, go ahead and plug where, where people can find you.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I loved that outro, by the way, as a fellow podcaster. Great job. Five stars. Um, (laughs) So yeah, speaking of the podcast, you can find me by searching for high vibe in it, wherever you listen to podcasts. I have a podcast with my friend, Lindsay Robin, who's a hypnotherapist. And we talk all about how to live your best life, how to manifest your desires, you know, how to um, navigate your challenges, how to unstuck your stuckness, all that fun stuff. And really, I'm an author, um, personal development author, like I would say kind of first and foremost. So I have a couple books out there. You can just search Kelsey Aida Roldes, um and find the two books that are out now. But I have two more books coming on manifesting and releasing resistance and working with your energy and all that stuff. Um, and I also work with people one-on-one as a coach. So you can find out more about that at KelseyAida.com. I also host self-love retreats for women, Um, so that's something fun. You guys can connect with me on, but if you just follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Aida also made a TikTok which is very great. Drop lots of gold nuggets on there. I'm Kelsey Aida everywhere. So search for me on Google, search for me on social connect with me and let me know if you guys liked this podcast. I love hearing from people from other podcasts, like, Oh, I heard you on this show. So fun. So
0: yeah, absolutely. I love it. And all that will be Excuse me. All that will be in the show notes. And I'm going to be a guest on your podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so y'all better subscribe to Hive vibe If you want to hear Joe over there,
0: that's right. <laughs> in the near future. Really excited about, about that one. Um, and yeah, thanks for everybody for the support, for listening. Uh, I love y'all and, um, premium members stick around other than that. I'll talk to you later.
1: Peace.